Hello, and welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today's episode is part of our health IT series from the AMA MSS Committee on Health Information Technology. My name is Matthew Swanson, and I'm a medical student at the Frank H. Netter MD School of Medicine, and I'll be your host for today. Today, we're joined by John Bass, the founder and CEO of Hashed Health, a healthcare-focused venture studio. Thanks for being with us, John. Yeah, thank you, Matt. So to get things started, uh, I'd like to ask you, how are you involved in the health IT space and uh, what are you currently working on? Yeah, well, as you um, briefly mentioned in the introduction, uh, Hashed Health is a, a venture studio and uh, that might be a new term for a lot of people out there. Basically, it just means that we create new startups. So we're, we're, we, we build um, uh, new companies, uh, oftentimes in collaboration with other entrepreneurs or other companies um, that we partner with to commercialize new, new technical solutions. Um, and uh, in order to, to do that, we use a kind of a proven process of kind of coming up with a hypothesis for a problem and then validating the, the technical and non-technical kind of aspects of that solution over a, a, a period of kind of iterative and intentional kind of period of steps. Um, and, and by the time we spin up a new company, by the time we spin something out of the studio, we've really validated that we found product market fit. So by the time we stand up a new company, we've got, uh, we've got customers, we've got a validated business model, we've got a validated product that we've built with our development team, we've got interested seed stage investors, and we have a commercial partner and a, and a, a commercialization team, uh, a co-founder, um, who is backable and investable and an excited expert in order to uh, um, take that uh, solution to market and scale it up in the industry. So in a lot of ways, the Venture Studio model allows us to bring resources um, to the beginning of the startup process and, and, um, and de-risk the process of starting new companies. Uh, this is my third startup to be a part of. And in the past, I and others entrepreneurs have kind of started a new company and then we kind of go figure out everything you know, after we've already raised money and started a company. And so our goal is to kind of de-risk all of that and to kind of find product market fit before we start a new, uh, start a new company. And that's a model that um, is really, really working well and, uh, and has some good um, proof points around it. Um, Hashtel focuses on collaboration. Uh, we, we focus on using um, blockchain and distributed ledger technologies to bring together networks that are able to trust each other and, and drive transparency and incentive alignment across those networks um, to solve uh, shared business problems. So there's a lot of big problems out there in the world that traditionally healthcare enterprises have tried to solve on their own, and we've not been successful in doing that. And so what this technology framework allows us to do is uh, really bring together these networks and these ecosystems around shared problems and, uh, and kind of try to solve those problems as an industry rather than as individual organizations. So I'll give you a, a couple examples include like credentialing, um, like creating more efficient and resilient supply chains, value-based contracting and value-based payments, um, and improving how um, uh, providers offer products and services to consumers in more of a kind of a direct uh, and transparent and rational and value-focused way. 
So those are, you know, a lot of these things look like data markets or asset exchanges where we're using a blockchain to track the, tra the transfer of ownership around digital assets being passed amongst the community of, of enterprises. So happy to talk about that some more, but that's generally what Hashtalk is working on. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, thanks for just introducing it from 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 that level to begin with. Um, you know, to to talk a little bit more. I mean, uh, I'm sure that I don't speak for just myself, a few others in the audience, but uh, I had never heard about a venture studio either. So, you know, to tackle some mm -hmm. of these problems, I imagine that uh, you have a you you've thought about you know the impact of your work quite a bit. Um, could you could you help explain to the audience what some of the impact of your work is and answering these questions and then also any challenges that you've experienced along the way? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I, um, I think I've lost a lot. I've made kind of a career out of um, this idea of collaboration in healthcare, and I think um, that's probably taken a lot of years off my life. But I really do believe <laughs> that that's the future. I believe that um, in order to solve these big problems in healthcare around identity and and supply chain efficiency and resiliency and, and um, kind of value-based and risk-based initiatives. Um, these are all things that, you know, require collaboration and are going to kind of unlock next generation kind of uh, savings and efficiency. You know, cost is a big problem in healthcare, especially in the United States. It's just, it's just uh, you know, it's eating, eating our employers and it's eating our government. And, um, it's not sustainable at all. And, um, and so uh, that idea of, collaboration in healthcare is, is, a, is kind of a bit of a challenge. Getting people to think about these problems in a new way and, and start to think of them more as a, a network or an industry or a market or an ecosystem rather than approaching these problems with kind of these every CFO for him or herself mentality is, um, is a big challenge in itself. You know, you mentioned the, the venture studio model um, is a new way of starting and, and funding companies. And so there's always challenges with kind of introducing a new, an, an, you know, a new um, type of model like that. Um, it, it takes, you know, convincing people that it works and, and demonstrating through uh, results that, you know, that it, it's working. And, and so that has challenges, you know, the technology that we use is new and, and is maturing and it carries some baggage with it. You know, a lot of times when you go and have a conversation about blockchain with a, a payer or a, a health system or anyone, they bring their own kind of beliefs and baggage to that conversation. And, you know, they might want to talk about Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies or, you know, they might have certain uh, things in mind when you mention blockchain. So we, we, we typically don't even talk about blockchain with our customers, but when they do want to talk about it, you know, th that can be a challenge. It's kind of like getting them to overcome their fear of doing uh, kind of new technical models. Um, you know, and then the, the, these kind of collaborative business models, they oftentimes look like data markets or data exchanges. Um, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, the introduction of a new and innovative business model itself is a challenge. Um, so, you know, I think uh, it, it's taken us a while um, to get to where we are at Hash. We've been doing it for about almost five years now. Um, and the reason is we're, we're innovating from almost every possible perspective. We're innovating as a company bringing these new technologies to market. The, tech, the technology itself is pretty new. 
the business models are new and the idea of change management across the enterprise networks and getting people to think more collaboratively and focused on shared value rather than um, traditional kind of approaches to these things. Uh, all of that is, is really hard and it's, it's taking a while. But the good news is that, you know, once you kind of build this network and demonstrate its value, like we've done with credentialing as an example, um, it really uh, opens people's eyes and becomes very, very attractive to, uh, to the industry. So this is really hard work, um, but you know, um, for a lot of different reasons, we're really seeing a lot of tailwinds um, going into this summer and, and kind of the second half of this year. I think um, we've, we've kind of crossed the chasm in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. Uh, you know, and thanks for taking on some of these challenges head first because, um, you know, again, I'm sure I speak for everyone where I say I can't wait for a next generation and a more efficient uh, health system uh, for when I'm a practicing physician one of these days or seeking healthcare one of these days. Um, you know, uh, an interesting question that's uh, particularly relevant right now is how has uh, COVID impacted your work this past year? Yeah, well, I think um, we've never had so many, you know, we've all, as a studio, we've always kind of been working on a lot of different projects with a lot of different partners and other organizations. You know, in the early days, it was a lot of insurance companies and, um, and pharma companies. Um, and more and more often these days, our customers are health systems. Uh, other technology companies and kind of who are building these networks around shared problems and COVID um, has created an environment that's really accelerated um, a lot of the a lot of the trends that were kind of out there uh, previously um, and uh, and it's kind of just compressed kind of what was going to happen over a five to ten year period into um, a, a couple of years. Um, so, for example, you know, the shift to telemedicine and telehealth has really driven the interest in more efficient credentialing strategies. Um, and what the blockchain technology and kind of the distributed ledger technologies we use to solve that problem enable you to do is trust the data from another organization. And so there's, there's people out there who are curating these uh, primary source verified credentialing artifacts around physicians, and it takes four to six months to do that. And it, you know, and and meanwhile, physicians are kind of very, very frustrated. You know, they they're not able to um, treat patients or be paid to treat patients, and um, it just is it's a it's a ridiculous um, manual repetitive process that every organization does. Um, on top of every other organization. Everyone's duplicating everyone else's work. Um, the average physician is a member of like five different health systems and six different health plans. I, I can't remember the exact numbers. Um, and and uh, it's all because each organization has to redo the work of everyone else and then do it again every two years. And so COVID made that, you know, what was a hair on fire problem just totally unbearable. Um, because it was getting in the way of access. It was getting in the way of, of physicians doing their work and when we really needed you to do your work. Um, and so um, that's an example of, you know, that was a problem before COVID. COVID just really accelerated the need for um, uh, us to uh, address that issue. And we happened to be working on this credentialing and provider directory solution 
for the last couple of years, and it really just allowed us to move a lot faster. You know, COVID's also um, highlighted supply chain efficiency and resiliency. You know, um, that's not new either, but no one's wanted to invest in supply chain over the last 25 years, really. And, um, and it's taken the crisis to really say, oh, wow, you know, it's really important that we have efficient, resilient supply chains that can make sure that we get the right product to the right people at the right time. And so that's another area where our technology, you know, supply chains are a team sport. Credentialing is a team sport. The data is coming from a variety of sources um, and it needs to be, uh, you need to incentivize the collection of that information and the sharing of that information. So these types of data exchanges that we create around credentialing and supply chain data, et cetera, really uh, bring a new and innovative business model the world's never seen before uh, to, that, uh, to that problem. Um, and, it, and, and that's very refreshing and that's been accelerated uh, by COVID. And the last one you know, um, I'll mention is kind of this idea of value-based uh, care um, and also kind of creating um, you know, more transparency around pricing and the provision of services. You know, these are things that are also clearly being accelerated by COVID. Um, you know, people are starting to rethink how we develop uh, buy-side and sell-side uh, networks. You know, this idea of kind of creating virtual high-performance networks is a really big deal right now. Um, this, this ability to integrate uh, clinical data and real world data into the way we pay for cell therapies and gene therapies and other types of value-based um, uh, solutions that don't sit well on top of the traditional payments infrastructure that should just focus on claims and transactions. All of these things are, are really being accelerated by COVID and these are the uh, kind of ideal use cases for blockchain technology, which basically creates a shared source of truth for multiple parties to kind of uh, depend on, and then you can write software on top of that to solve some really interesting problems. So everything we do is focused on networks and markets and, and these types of um, shared sources of truth and, and solving shared problems. And so all of, all of that is, uh, all of this, the, the problems and challenges with COVID have really um, increased our appetite to um, create new infrastructure that truly solves and gets at the heart of some of those problems. Yeah. Um, so to go off of this, the, the, the speed that COVID demanded in innovation, the healthcare space, you know, I, could, I can only imagine what it's gonna look like in 10 to 15 years when, when I'm a physician and a lot of the members of our audience are a physician, you know, what do you project? Uh, um, healthcare delivery and what the health system is going to look like then or what problems we're going to be tackling then? Well, I think, I think you'll, you know, a lot of these concepts are, are pretty, are still pretty new, but I think, you know, what I see um, is that my, 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 what I believe in um, is that, you know, the job that you do, the important job that physicians do, um, I, I think will have to become and will become a lot um, <clears throat> a lot less administratively burdensome for you, the practitioners. <clears throat> um, and, and so that comes to, you know, your medical identity credentialing. Um, you know, how you 
exchange your um, medical uh, professional identity with the providers and the payers that, you know, that are your partners in kind of delivering care. I think we have the opportunity now to clean a lot of that up. So, so that idea of kind of creating self-sovereign identity, kind of um, new identity solutions for physicians to control your identity and, and, um, and share your identity uh, as you move through your professional career is if any physician hates the way that works right now, and that's one area where I see us having an opportunity to really improve uh, your life in the next 10 years. Um, you know, the way you get paid, I think, is going to, is going to change. And we're, we're seeing it, maybe not in every specialty, but, um, but in a lot of specialties, especially where you talk about kind of value-based or risk-based payments where, you know, your ability to get paid, um, is gonna, you're going to be held accountable um, uh, to the, the outcomes that you produce um, with your care team. Um, and your care team will, um, you know, uh, will extend kind of across an episode of care as an example. So I think, you know, the way you get paid is probably going to change um, in, in a lot of in a lot of cases. Um, the way you create networks, uh, um, I think, is going to evolve a lot over the next 10 years or so. Um, you know, the way information is shared across networks, you know, these things like community information exchanges where you're bringing together instead of a, a kind of a health information exchange, it's more a, a community information exchange that includes social determinants and other data blended with the clinical data that you need to treat a patient. You know, I think we're waking up to the fact that, you know, um, health data is, is more than just kind of what's in the EMR. It's, it's a lot about what's out there in the world um, and, and incorporating that and enabling you to understand all of that as you treat patients, I think is gonna be more and more important. You know, um, one other thing I'll, I'll mention is that because we are in the, uh, hashed health is in the blockchain space, you know, a lot of people assume that we are a crypto company because there's so much interest in crypto in the world. You know, I, it, it'll be interesting in the next 10 years, the weather um, to see if crypto uh, and um, uh, cryptocurrencies kind of become a part of the healthcare world. Right now, we don't, we don't talk at all about crypto. You know, we use the technology to trade other types of assets like credentialing assets or other things. But we don't, we're not forcing crypto on the healthcare environment. You know, I think over time, crypto could become more institutionalized. And, and um, you know, we are already seeing a world where like 10% of the U.S. public inter, in, um, interacts with cryptocurrencies in some fashion, um, even whether they know it or not. And we're seeing enterprises start to hold crypto on their balance sheet. So it could be over the next 10 years that cryptocurrencies and digital currencies become more of a thing. Um, the, and the interesting thing about that is it allows us to uh, move, move money uh, programmatically. Um, and so that's an exciting concept because all of a sudden you can, and we're starting to do this with some of our solutions now, which is you program how money moves between counterparties. So healthcare right now is largely kind of addicted to rebates and chargebacks and retrospective reconciliations. We're kind of like have these really poorly designed incentivization structures and in how we pay for um, products and services these days, especially in value-based initiatives. 
and bringing all that into real time where you can program programmatically move value between um, organizations or incentivize patient behavior, I think is going to be a real trend over the next 10 years. New ways to incentivize and use behavioral economics to help patients become more accountable for their care, I think is going to be um, something that we just do all the time in 10 years. And hopefully we can do that without creating kind of a, um, uh, a, a um, you know, a black mirror type thing where everyone's walking around with a, um, a social score over their head. Um, uh, so there's some ethics that we need to pay attention to when you talk about kind of outcomes data and real world data collection and integrating that into payments. Um, and we got to make sure that's fair and equitable. Um, but I think it's something that we're going to have to figure out. Um, but, it, you know, healthcare in 10 years is likely to have a crypto element, even though it doesn't today. So that's another another kind of forecast that I see kind of coming uh, eventually. So those are those are a few thoughts. Yeah. Well, uh, well, thank you for your insight in that. You know, it just sounds uh, pretty exciting. And uh, I'm sure I speak for anyone again when I say I can't wait. Uh, John, what we like to do at this uh, point is we like to ask uh, if you have any kind of forums where people can connect with you and follow your work. Well, I mean, certainly um, our website, hashtelf.com, talks a lot about what we're doing. You know, I'm on LinkedIn and, and Twitter as well. Um, I, I've, I've written a book on blockchain and healthcare, although... Um, that book was written a few years back um, in, in the blockchain space. That's like 15 years ago now. Um, it's moving so fast. Everything's maturing so quickly. Um, but, uh, but we do a lot of blogs and we do a lot of writing and we do a lot of speaking at conferences. Um, so um, it's, I'm, not, I'm not hard to find, but, uh, but happy to uh, happy to to um, we we do you know we're always open to having conversations, especially with physicians who care very deeply about how we can do a better job delivering care to consumers, and and we share that mission. Health is all about how we empower individuals and communities um, in their in their care. Um, so always happy to um, to chat. You can you can connect with me on on LinkedIn or, or Twitter. Probably the best way to do that. Well, everyone, that's all for today. Thank you for listening and thank you for your time today, John. This has been Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. You can subscribe to Making the Rounds and other great AMA podcasts wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.